Welcome to BitCast on Podcast One, the video game podcast with the Axeman. Hello, welcome back to the show. It's same as usual. I, I never really know how to introduce myself when I have a guest. By the way, I have a guest. Why don't you introduce yourself? Hello. I'm Philip. I think I went by Philip on the previous ones. I did all of the really long ones that had multiple parts, like Mother 3 and Octopath and The World Ends With You. Oh, uh, that one was actually one part. Oh, is that one part? Was it a long part? Probably. Okay, I can live with that. But then we got to Fire Emblem Three Houses. Oh. Yeah. And now today we're going to talk about the last game that you said we could probably be the both the one that we could both talk about it is Persona 4 which felt inevitable i have so many friends who adore this game it was like a matter of time before i actually talked about it on the show of course we practically had a cult about it we didn't <laughs> but we practically did so for people listening a lot of my online friends really, really love Persona 4, or at least they did. Really? And I liked Persona 4. You can kind of see where this is going. <laughs> oh, you absolute heathen. So, uh, Persona 4, I feel like... Like, I, I kind of want to think of it as still kind of a niche game, but I don't think that'd really be fair anymore. Persona's really taken off in recent years, and 4 was kind of the one that brought it a lot more attention in the West. I guess it might qualify as a cult classic by now? Well, I remember 3 was kind of the one that put it on the map for a lot of people. Then 4 right. was really capitalizing on it, and it was more popular in the West, at least when it was new. And then, of course, 5 is just like, it's actually mainstream. Mm-hmm. So, Persona 4... Well, uh, how were you introduced to the game? Well, we all had our buddy in our online friend group a little before you got into there. Call him Dryest. He uh, he's the, really adored Persona... He's What? He's the Designing 4 guy. Yes, the Designing 4 guy, Dryest. He absolutely was in love with Persona 4, and being the charismatic individual he is, he saw to it that all of the rest of us would love Persona 4. So I was introduced to it through him sometime in high school. I uh, got myself the game, really enjoyed it, and joined the cult. Practically a cult. Let's see. I got into 3 and 4 at kind of the same time. It was during the back half of my first year of college, which was nearly a decade ago. Not quite, though. But, uh, yeah, I just, like, I was watching a guy play, let, let's, I was watching a Let's Play of Persona 3, and I thought, oh, that's neat. But then it got a little too depressing, and then eventually got to Persona 4 somehow. I think I just watched random scenes of it out of order. But I knew who most of the characters were because I read that Hi, I'm Daisy comic. Oh, good. And that actually spoiled the murderer for me that everyone knows by now. Yeah, it's easy to spoil him. Or her. 
It's a him. Yeah, I didn't actually play Persona 4 myself until, uh, what was it, 2014? I played, I played the portable version, and now that makes me one of the 20 people in the world to own a PlayStation Vita. Oh, gosh. And, uh, like I said, I liked the game. I, I liked Persona 5 more, but... Persona 4 wasn't bad. It sure ain't. I never really got, like, knee-deep into it as everyone else did, though. It's actually kind of funny. I played the game twice, technically. Well, I didn't play all the way through twice, but I got as far as uh, recruiting Naoto, and then uh, she wouldn't hang out with me because my stats weren't good enough, and I was just like, what? Lame. So I just restarted from the beginning, and then I, I just I oh, played gosh. through the game with like a walkthrough open on my computer so I could do all the social links I cared about. Which a lot of people don't recommend, but uh, I don't care. I want to do it anyway. Yeah, I'm kind of mixed on doing that. I think... In Persona 3, it makes a lot of sense not to do it, because that one is about, you know, death and how you have a limited time to do the things in your life. In Persona 4, it's not, so you're not really getting that experience either way, if you know what I mean. I feel like if they didn't want to do it, they didn't want you to be able to do it, then they wouldn't have made it possible. Right. I just see that they copied the same system in. And there's not really any point in it being so limited, so just do what you want. I remember when I played Persona 5, I didn't have a guide for that stuff, and I regretted it, because I had, I, like, most of my completed links were just the party members, and they didn't get special scenes in that game. Yeah, that was kind of lame. So, like I said, I don't think Persona 4 needs much of an introduction, but just for frame of reference might as well go over it a little bit uh rural japan is good i think that covers it maybe but, i mean it, it's misunderstood yes because all, all of your characters more or less kind of end up suiting what society would expect of them being in rural japan mostly by coincidence i find some sort of, some sort of not. But it does end up pushing that theme intentionally or otherwise. Yeah, it's, like, I feel like it's one of those games where it's become so popular that now people are willing to kind of look for the cracks a bit more. Probably not as much as Persona 5 has, because that got more popular, but Persona 4 definitely, it's reached that zone now. I know, when did it come out? Was it like 2008? 2008. Okay, At least cool. in the US. I know, like, like, Kanji allegedly being gay, but then, then kind of halfway taking that back and never really saying anything is kind of a little, eh, right now, but eh, it's 2008. A lot of applicability with some of the characters that 
feel like a lot of it would be received a little differently nowadays. Mm-hmm. But for its time, I think it's fairly progressive just for covering those topics at all. Uh, Granted, it's not ancient either. Yeah, yeah, for its time. Persona games have never been afraid to jump into societal things. Mm-hmm. I do think it's kind of funny that one of the criticisms of the characters in Persona 4 is that they do what society expects them to, and then in the next game, it's all about defying what society expects of you. I, I do like them doing that. Um, Persona 4 is a very happy, kind of peaceful sort of game. Its main color is yellow, just joyful, and then Persona 5 just comes in red and angry. Yeah, it's the angsty teen phase. Sure is. I do like how every game has that whole color-coded thing. Same, I really love that. Just gives it a lot of push and, well, it supports the art direction really well, makes everything feel different, and just sets up the mood. Yeah, and a lot of music, too. Like, uh, 4 had a lot of J-pop, while 5 had acid jazz. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know how to describe 3's music exactly. Yeah, I know either. It's a little groovier, I guess. Oh, yeah, I want to I wanna say funk, but that doesn't sound right. Like, I'm, no. not, I'm not that much of a music guy. No, same. I'm like I'm like I'm like a level one music person. I'm like I don't know how to call my level of music person because I know like theory and stuff. I just don't know actual culture. Yeah, I don't know either of them. I'm a music scientist. I gotta pour these music chemicals into the music beaker. Of course, that's how you do it. So, uh. What else to say about Persona 4? Yeah, good talk. Good talk. Good talk, okay. Hey, we didn't do a long session this time, we're good. (laughs) Okay. So, one of the major themes of Persona 4 is about being honest with yourself. Mm -hmm. Truth. And reaching out to it. Yeah, like, Making the effort, not being lazy about it, which kind of fits into Five's themes a bit more, too. They want you to uh, admit to yourself about the different parts of your personality that you can't stand for one reason or another. Right. It's mostly about that, more generally about how people will always be biased towards what they want to believe just ignoring whatever it is that is more painful or will require more effort out of them, just and supports the value of avoiding easy answers and being honest with yourself. Yeah, this game takes a lot of umbrage with the notion of ignorance being bliss. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, well, I remember when I first was introduced to the game, I thought... Oh, well, that's just easy. I'll just say yes to everything my hypothetical shadow self would say and then be done with it. And uh, that was before I really had any deep thoughts. And by that, I mean this was like high school. Mm -hmm. I didn't really have deep thoughts until college. 
Yeah, definitely if you play it younger, it does make you think like, okay, they all have a shadow of selves, so what would my shadow be like? What is it that is wrong about me that I'm constantly ignoring? And it turns out people aren't really that simple. It's hard to figure out what exactly is wrong with you, but it's still something that's valuable to keep in mind. Now you have to obsessively monitor your own behavior if you want to guess what your hypothetical shadow would be. So you have yes. to be like me. <laughs> of course. I didn't grow up in a small town, and so I don't know how accurate the, the depiction of a small town is. Um, I also didn't. I know a few things like how there's the Juness su Walmart Superstore coming in and killing the small local businesses. Yeah. That's a thing that happens. Yeah, that happens. Um, I never really got a super big feel of small town culture there. There is stuff like how Kanji is just a delinquent kid that everyone in town has heard of, but no one really knows. That kind of makes sense. But it never really fit what I really see a small town as. Granted, I never lived in one. The, the main thing I think of when I think of small towns is the fact that everyone is aware of each other, like you just said, and also the fact that they're all going to talk about someone behind their backs because they have nothing else to talk mm -hmm. about. Of course. And this game is very heavy on talking about people who they don't think are listening. Right, I know there's the whole thing about the Midnight Channel existing so that everyone can see each other's darker sides and how society wants to be able to see that, but that almost kind of went over my head. Okay, I think we've kind of avoided the elephant in the room long enough. Why don't you just get started? Mm hmm. Get started with what? You wanted to talk about the characters. Oh, yeah. Yeah, just a party rundown would go well, I think. Since this is really a character-focused game, given that every single party member, well, most of them, outright get to be the villain for their own arc as you confront their shadow selves. So that's how it goes. Let's see. There's good old Yosuke. I don't have many strong feelings on Yosuke. He is a good bro. I like that he ultimately has the same motivation as the villain. He's just really bored out in the country and wants something to do, so he decides to be a hero. Yeah, Yosuke is a very divisive character. Oh, he sure is. Like, like some of our own friends are even torn over him. Oh yeah, some of them hate him, some of them like him, some of them are... I like him. He's, he's alright. I, I don't mind him. Like he, He's annoying sometimes, but everyone's annoying sometimes, yeah. so that doesn't really stand out. The argument against that is always like, yeah, he's annoying, but he's an awful good interpretation of a teenager. I, I think the thing is, uh, Yosuke's got a lot of toxic masculinity... But, uh, mm -hmm. you know, it's Japan, especially in the late 2000s. Right. I don't, I don't, I don't know if it's really fair to cancel Yosuke. <laughs> I mean, that's basically what it boils down to. <laughs> that basically is it, right. 
Um, particularly with him being homophobic towards Kanji. There is all that stuff about him possibly have been a a, a bi romance option. Mm-hmm. And I think that would have been really interesting if they went with it, but they didn't, so I feel nothing. Uh, Yosuke is a good like sidekick character, I think. Yeah, there's an interesting thing Personas 3 and 4 at least do with their sidekicks, where they kind of have an inferiority com- complex toward the all-loving, perfect main hero. And that's always a neat arc to see, since normally sidekicks are just super grateful to their master. Yeah, usually the resentment is saved for a rival-type character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is pretty common. I kept Yosuke in my party, like, perpetually. I never rotated him out, because I, I liked the... I liked how he was, like, mm-hmm. the sidekick. is the lieutenant. Yep. And he has a good supporting skill set for being a sidekick. Not really someone who steals the show, but just hangs out in the background and does whatever you need. Yeah. Do you think the game generally does that well, giving them movesets that kind of support their character type? Sort of here and there. I'm pretty sure I do, but nothing's coming to me at the moment. I think I'll get to it with each individual character. That sounds fun. Okay. Uh... Such as, for instance, Chie. Uh, Chie, I mean, she is just the kind of tomboyish karate girl, so she has a physical moveset that does a lot of damage. That's about all they got there. Yeah, they, they give her a couple ice moves, but that's just so you have an early game ice user. Yeah. And, let's see, in general with Chie, I think, and I don't remember my source on this, they, or in Japan, she had a character arc about wanting to be more feminine and going through with that, but then in the localization, that's kind of not super well looked at over here, and so they just cut that out, but they didn't replace it with anything, so Chie is kind of nothing. Well, what do you mean by that? Like, I, I know, like, what you're talking about, like, culturally, but I'm trying to think of an example scene now or something. Um, they didn't outright take out any scenes, I don't think, just because if they had, I would have heard about it. But she doesn't really have a whole lot of a character arc. Like, she is kind of Yukiko's backup and friend and feels a bit about that. And she decides she wants to be a cop, but she just really doesn't have as much as the other kiddos do. Uh, but in the Japanese version, she does? I think so. But I don't know that I for feel sure. Like I, heard I just. That. Possibly. I feel like I brought it up before, at least. I don't know. It has been a while since I've really dug deep into Persona 4's things. So mm-hmm. it could be something that's come up, or something that I just never paid attention to, because Chie yeah. was never one of my favorites. Right. Yeah, and it's not like Yosuke has a ton of material either, so originally she probably had about as much as he did, and then she just got even less. But either way, she just don't have a whole lot going on. Uh, 
Chie, I, I guess it's time we kind of talk about these a little bit too, but Chie is definitely one of those characters who suffers a lot in the spin-offs. I'm not as familiar with those myself, but I've heard the horror stories. Uh, well, when you try to juggle at least two Persona games worth of main characters, something's gotta give, I'll say that. Right. I know that she becomes, like, obsessed with food. Well, meat, but... Meat, okay. She's, she definitely keeps herself styled as a sporty, tomboyish girl. So, mm -hmm. whatever you're talking about, about her Japanese character arc, I guess it didn't stick. Perhaps not. If that even happened. Maybe I should do research before getting on podcasts. I, 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 think, I think I really only noticed it after one of our associates brought it up, but Chie probably does have the least backstory out of all our characters. You know, that's a good point. She, she's Yukiko's friend? Yeah. I don't think she really needs a whole lot of backstory. I mean, clearly she did. Because she didn't really amount to a whole lot without one. So maybe having one would have done something. Uh, I don't know. I feel like they had enough to work with in, like, with her shadow and stuff, but then they just pushed that all mm -hmm. aside for her social link. Right, there's the interesting element there where, like, she gets a lot of satisfaction about being the one who just has Yukiko's back all the time and kind of controls her through that, but, yeah, whatever, let's be a cop. Uh, it's not as clear-cut as that, but yeah, basically. But credit where credit is due, she's entertaining enough, decently written, has the fun, upbeat, tomboyish personality. So she's really not all bad, it's just when you compare her to the others, it's like, what happened here? Yeah. Uh, I, I was reading about how every character contributes to the investigation in some way or another, and it said that Chie's specialty was basically just taking a crack shot guess that ends up being right. Of course. Which is is kind of an important thing, but it's also suggests how shoehorned in. Yeah, it suggests how little she has going on otherwise. Chie's right. contribution is sometimes she's right. <laughs> okay. I think that's a good enough note to end on and hop over to Yukiko. Who Yeah. We'll get to the ones I really like eventually, I promise. Yeah, you like all the all the juniors. I do. They're they're wonderful. They're good kiddos. Yukiko, um Gosh, what was her deal again? She didn't want to feel obligated to inherit her family's in. Oh right. And her shadow's a bird in a cage, and it's symbolic. Yeah, she's kind of the mild-mannered, polite girl that, that Japan really wants all the girls mm -hmm. in, within it to be. Right. But the truth is, she's actually kind of a giggling airhead. 
with feelings and opinions, and she likes ghost stories. Oh, she does? That's cute. But she hides most of these to everyone except Chie. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't really... This might be a cultural thing, since I'm not in Japan, but I didn't really get mm -hmm. a big deal out of all these different sides of Yukiko coming out. I just thought, oh, okay. Yeah, I don't really think of her as the trope of someone who acts all goody-goody but actually has a more emotional side, because she really does just act all goody-goody. It, yeah, it's not. she's not really pretending to be something she's not. It's just she's hiding mm -hmm. parts of herself. Yeah, she plays the trope pretty straight for the most part. Hence the fact that she decides she actually does want to inherit the inn, because rural Japan is good. The idea is that she didn't want to feel like she had no choice, but mm -hmm. she she ultimately realized she did have the choice, and she liked it there. Like She'll, she'll accept it, but on her own terms. Mm -hmm. And you know, that's wholesome enough. And with the gameplay representing the characters, she's the nice, kind, goody-goody, so, eh, she's the healer. There you go. You're the heal monkey. The heal monkey. 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 I, I kept her in the party a lot more during my retry of the game, because I am a baby gamer, and I wanted someone to be the dedicated mm -hmm. healer. I mean, you literally need one. Yeah, but... Uh. The only non-baby strategy is to make the protagonist the healer, which is actually brilliant, but most people don't think of it. I did it, I think, on my first try. I used Yukiko for a little while, but then I didn't. But mm -hmm. Then on the second try, for some reason, I just lost all my nerve and I kept her around. Anything else about Yukiko? Not particularly. Which brings us to our boy, Kanji. Get back, get back, get back, get back, get back. <laughs> Kanji is very good. He actually does, like we were talking about Yukiko with the two different sides and the nice girl and the more emotional girl and not really doing that. Kanji is the big, brusque, rebellious, manly man and the nice guy who sews toys for children. Yeah, it's interesting because... The trope of the big burly guy with a secret soft side is very old. Like, uh, that that really bothers me about the movie Tangled, about how it's supposed to be this, oh, they're all softies. Like, I've seen it before. But, like, mm -hmm. Kanji is one of the only times where it's really played for drama. Yeah. Like, you still get the feeling that oh, it's so cute and sweet that he likes all these things, but they get a lot of mileage out of him just being really freaking embarrassed about it. When you when you when when I've seen a lot of this trope before where they're embarrassed about their soft side, it usually only lasts for the duration of an episode. And, uh, well, I, I guess mm -hmm. in, the, in the Persona 4 anime, it kind of counts as just an episode, but it never yeah. really goes this far with it. Right. 
there's this like it's pretty much his whole arc which goes over a dungeon and then 10 scenes afterwards of him basically realizing that he's fine there's nothing really wrong with him but if people are ever going to understand him he has to let them yeah he's probably one of the most consistently well-written characters of the gang i think i would agree yeah and even back when i was more naive and didn't think about things deeply kanji was kind of the one who put a few ideas into my head that have changed my way of thinking right and i think it's pretty easy for him to do that He's very relatable to most people who play the game, since a lot of people who play games are, at least on some level, embarrassed to admit to everyone they know that they play games. And so Kanji feeling embarrassed over his sewing hobby is fairly relatable. I was thinking more about masculinity and femininity. That as well, which honestly is the bigger deal with him, just not quite as much what I get out. Though they do relate in that he just doesn't have masculine hobbies. Not that gaming is a feminine hobby, but just something that you can admit freely to people that you don't know. It's not always a good look. Depends on context, of course, but... Well, I just remember one time when his shadow self was ranting and raving, he was just like... Uh, not, not to sound like Dracula over here, but he was just like, what is a man? <laughs> oh, gosh. I, I don't think he said it exactly like Dracula, but I, I... I... I don't think he did. I would remember that. But he did kind of bring into question, and for the first time I thought about, huh, like, what what does it... What does define, like, masculinity and stuff? Because, like, even back then I thought, well, different cultures probably have different rules, don't they? So what does it really mean? Right, and so he goes toward this point of showing that masculinity isn't about what you're interested in or what your hobbies are, more so just keeping the confidence of it, and yeah, just the confidence of it, really. Like, And by expressing himself as a man, he chooses to be confident about the things that he likes, which are feminine. One of my favorite moments with them is that in his rank 10 S link, it'll just the screen goes to black and it says that you and Kanji like sewed little toys together and there's just a voiceover of him saying, Yeah! It's beautiful. I think at one point he was just like, Yeah, I like cute stuff, what about it? He is a true man. He is someone who can do feminine things. Confidently. I like a lot of cute stuff. Anything else about Kanji? Oh, I can always do the gameplay thing. He is big, tough, manly man, so he uses big, tough physical moves. There we go, we got it. Now we can stop talking about Kanji. You know, I think it'd be interesting if they gave him, like, a heel move or something to kind of represent, you know, his traditionally feminine interests because the right. heel moves are usually reserved for oh i'm the i'm mm -hmm. the good soft girl so i have to be the healer of course i would have really liked that and that's why i think the gameplay is pretty good at representing everyone but not quite perfect 
Like, they could have taken it a little further. I don't think any of the Persona games go as deep with movesets as, like, our hypothetical Persona game ideas. That is absolutely correct, yes. I think the only exception might be Akechi, but that's not even Um, the same game, so... When we get to Naoto, I think her moveset is really neat. Uh, Okay, that... Uh, I was also thinking of her too, but yeah. But first, I mean, it's the same move set as Akechi. So, yeah. uh, Rise is before Naoto. What about Teddy? Oh yeah, you get both at the same time. It's hard. We can do Teddy. I mean, I guess technically she's in the party before Teddy is. Ah uh, yeah, she she literally is for one fight. You got a coin on you. <laughs> Yeah, okay, here I'll... Okay, uh, heads okay. for uh, Rise, I guess. Because oh. Teddy is a bear and has Thanks. a tail. Okay, it's Rise. Uh, I always feel like she's the deepest, maybe just the one that I get the most out of and the one that took me the longest to wrap my head around, but I think her whole arc is really interesting. I do too. It's one of those arcs that also didn't really mean a lot to me until later. Like maybe not even until after I'd beaten the game for real, like like years after. I was like, oh, okay. It was years for me. Like Because she plays into a lot with identity and what it actually means to be someone at all and in high school that's just a whole lot of I don't know. Yeah. The, the big takeaway I had that hit me a few years later is the idea that there is no one true version of Risei. They're all Risei. Right. And so out of a game called Persona, she's really the one mostly written around the idea of Personas. Like, even between just her social link and her interactions with the party... When she's with the whole party, she's all bubbly and happy and cute and just whole chatterbox. But then when she's alone with the protagonist, she's actually really subdued and introspective. I just think that's neat with Rise ultimately deciding that her idol persona that she puts on when she's, you know, being an idol is something that she creates through her own talents and abilities. So while it is technically fake, it is still true to her. Yeah. Kind of touches on some things they would do in Persona 5 a little bit, too, with, like, cognition. But mm-hmm. And so I think that she's the party member that I find myself thinking back on the most, just in terms of, like, hmm, if I did this, would I really be honest? And it's like, well, it would still be me, because I'm still doing this myself. It doesn't have to represent some true nature of who I am. Which is weird to wrap your head around, but pretty interesting and very wholesome. A lot of people give Rise flack for how much she openly flirts with the protagonist. Oh, whatever. If I got angry every time I saw that in an RPG, I would uh, play more action games, I guess. Don't you see? Persona 4 is different from other RPGs. No, I mean, yes, but no. Yeah. My only uh, 
My only gripe with her in group scenes is that she always picks on Kanji for some reason. She always calls him Moranji. Ah, uh, okay. Which... Leave Kanji alone, Risei. Come on. <laughs> Leave him alone! <laughs> <laughs> Anyone remember that video at all? I don't... <laughs> uh, oh, oh, yes. Oh, yes. Still referencing that in 2020? Good on me. Mm-hmm. Well, you would. On the gameplay side, I think she's pretty interesting. She's just the navigator who takes in a lot of information. But I think that's a neat way of representing like who she really is. Her talent as an idol comes from her understanding of people and ability to take in information and act on it. And so that's what she does in the game. She takes in information for you to act on. Yeah, and... Going back to that thing I said about how everyone has a different specialty in focusing on the investigation, that's said to be Arize's specialty is that she's got a lot of emotional intelligence. Oh, that is definitely the two words for her, emotional intelligence. Uh, that's my spiel on Arize, I think. There's one detail about her that kind of bugs me is in... Oh boy. Ultimax. Oh, boy. oh no. Uh, they allow her to actually fight like everyone else because they give her persona oh, in yeah. form. Which, uh, I mean, they, they kind of try to play it up as a meaningful moment for her, and uh, I guess it mm -hmm. is. I don't, I don't mind that part so much. I just, uh, I, I feel like that kind of takes away something from her. It kind of makes her more like everyone else, but I guess it also makes her like Mitsuru, so there's that. People like Mitsuru, don't they? <laughs> Fighting was never really her thing, but not fighting was never really her thing either. It's just she already had a thing, and fighting is not that thing. So it's like, yeah, it's just a spinoff trying to justify making her a playable character. Yeah. But the thing about the Persona spinoffs, at least until recently, was that they all had to be canon. Of course. Is Smash Bros. Ultimate a Persona spinoff? <laughs> they gave him the letter. Everyone talked about it. It's in the trailer. Uh, well, I, I said until recently. That there are those dancing games okay. that they decided... Well, at least the three and five dancing games they decided okay. to not make canon. Okay, I guess, I guess we're off the hook. Hmm. Yeah, that's probably it about oh, no. now. Now it's this awkward silence is unbearable. Oh, it's time to talk about the special boy. The bear. This unbearable bear of a battle. <laughs> Teddy is interesting. That was a long pause there. Pause. You're gonna cut it out in post anyway. Okay, go ahead, I'll stop making bear puns. Teddy is kind of an interesting character. He's probably, in my opinion, the one who suffers the most with spin-off characterization. I have heard that. I, uh, first of all, I've, I've never really been fond of the pervert character. Naturally. Half the time, there's a mascot character. They also make them really perverted for some reason. Yeah, perverted characters are always, like... 
Well, I was about to say they're never normal, good-looking guys, but Teddy becomes a normal, good-looking guy, so I guess he counts. But they're always, like, old men or little mascots. Small, pudgy creatures. It's like, oh, if you, you know not to take them seriously because they're old or because they're little, funny-looking things. <laughs> they don't course. look like muscular volleyball players or anything. It's not sexual assault if they're cartoony. But, uh, no, I don't, I don't really care for it. But at the same time, Teddy has a lot of good moments in Persona 4. He do. It's just all of his moments after Persona 4 kind of fall flat. He's, he's like my Cloud Strife, basically. (laughs) Because our friend Alf, he was kind of talking about how he likes Cloud, but only in the context of Final Fantasy VII. And I was saying, you know, I kind of have that with Teddy. There is a line in Persona 4 Golden in in the new month of gameplay. I actually like it. Uh Uh-oh. Oh, okay. But uh, there's there's a stretch of time where he's rooming with you while your stay-in family are at the hospital for some reason. And if you go outside to do the gardening activity, he'll say, Wait, Sensei, it's dangerous to go alone. Take me! (laughs) <laughs> that's cute but uh teddy he, he his real good points yeah he, he has like high highs and low lows my gist of teddy i never really got a good view of him while playing the game but now i see him as this creature that doesn't have a real identity just a shadow that up and made an identity for himself hence shadow teddy's existential kids corner yeah I kind of had a feeling he'd be your favorite character. Oh, I didn't get into my existentialism phase until long after playing Persona 4. And Rise is plenty existential in her own right. What is there to say about Teddy that, like, we didn't just already say? Right? I I feel like he just kind of does the existentialism thing one-to-one, and there's not actually much left otherwise. I mean, it's... It's really moving because they they set the scene mm-hmm. really well and the actor they does do. a really good job reading the lines. Like he just learns that he is who he is and that's what he's gonna be. The anime, or at least the dub for it, they do play up his puns even more. Like even in like serious moments, it's like, ah, oh, Teddy, why now? Like, in, including mm. that scene in the Velvet Room when he, like, finally exposits about who he is and stuff. He just said, oh, hi, Sensei. I just remembered. And I'm, I'm like, really? Right now? Oh, if that ain't, if that ain't clause for alarm, I don't know what is. I'm going to kill you. <laughs> uh, I can do my gameplay spiel. Because Teddy is actually one of the most interesting ones. He basically takes healing from Yosuke and ice from Chie just at the moments that they stop doing those things. So he doesn't really have his own identity. He just picks one up from other people. Kinda, yeah. Which I thought of just now, but it's pretty neat. In the fighting game, he certainly has his own style. Oh, yeah, well, the fighting game is a spinoff. They they definitely play up his cartooniness with his moveset. Naturally, and that's a pretty good thing to do in that context. RPG, 
do narrative symbolism. Fighting game, do fun animations. I don't mean that cynically, I mean that's just what those particular games should do. I do like after Teddy has his moment of introspection, he comes back to the party and he tells them what he is, and then everyone just kind of takes it in stride. Yosuke even says, oh yeah, we figured it was something Mm -hmm. like that. Oh yeah, that's cute. I always remember that kind of reaction. And Teddy was actually expecting them to be all surprised and stuff, but (laughs) Occam's Razor, I guess. Yeah. Because in hindsight, there really wasn't much else he could have been. No, not really. Unless you want to believe the old theories that he was Lucifer from the other Persona Shin Megami games, or... Oh, well, that's also cute, but no. Or he's he's used Narukami's shadow, just like Game Theory said. (laughs) That's that's substantially less cute. Well, we gotta give Persona 4 to the Pope and figure it out. (laughs) We gotta get the Pope's word on this. Pope will Mm. tell us who's the best girl. Oh, God. You need that, like, religiously sanctioned. I don't know why I keep making fun of Game Theory giving games to the Pope. <laughs> because it's perfect. Uh, so Teddy... Oh, oh that, that reminds me. I read a fan yep. fiction where Teddy became the Pope. Oh my god! Uh, that is not a sentence I was expecting to hear today. Yeah, I don't know how many more times I can cross streams with Teddy and the Pope. Okay. So, uh, Naoto... <laughs> There we go. She is not the Pope. Because I think the Pope can only be a guy, which she is not. No, but she did try to talk Teddy out of becoming the Pope. What? (laughs) So anyway, Naoto... uh, She's kind of a fan favorite of the bunch. Mm Mm-hmm. She uh, plays a different role in the party in that she, she kind of is the rival character for a good chunk of the story, except they... They don't don't overemphasize it. No. We're we're openly referring to Naoto with female pronouns because, of course. Because, of course. Like, I had a friend play Persona 4 in college, and I watched him do it. He immediately saw her, and it was like, that's a girl, isn't it? And I said, nope, 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 that's a boy. And then we just kept pushing that going on. He would insist she's a girl, I would say, otherwise. And then when it was finally revealed that she is, in fact, a girl, he then started saying, oh, okay, she's a boy. (laughs) He was a butt, I tell you what. (laughs) Apparently it's more convincing in the original language because the the actress is known for voicing young boys. Mm -hmm. She's the Japanese voice of Edward Elric. I think that was another thing that was spoiled for me because of the High M Daisy comic, because I recognized the hat, and I thought... Yeah. And I remember that character in the comic being, like, like very assertive of masculinity. I just hopped into the Persona 4, not technically a cult, and they're going to use the pronouns they want to use, so, oops. Never got the chance to be duped. I remember the Persona 4 Endurance run. I actually watched that, and, like, right away, they caught that Naoto was a girl. Yeah, it's pretty common. Yeah, so I don't think you really missed anything. No, I don't really mind. We have a friend who was just recently introduced to Persona 4. Even she knew about Naoto, because she said 
I can't be friends with all of you for this long without having heard of Naoto, at least. Right. So, it's kind of like the the chic is Zelda of Persona 4. Pretty much, yeah. Very similar arrangement, too. Except unlike Sheik and Zelda, she gets a character arc. I think. I don't really have a super good grasp of Naoto, though I also don't know if she's actually super complicated. Well, I think summarizing her as the rival, which didn't really occur to me until recording this, I think Mm -hmm. that kind of says a lot about her role in the story, in that she joins you last, and she Mm -hmm. kind of... She kind of brings the big guns to your investigation. She kind of legitimizes it a bit more. It's like you're pooling everything together once she finally comes into the fold. I'm And that thing that you read about everyone's role in the party, was her role just the one who actually does anything? <laughs> I don't remember, but... Because the plot is just nothing and nothing and nothing until she comes in to figure it out for you. She is the professional. Yes. <laughs> Let's see, other than being a professional, she is the anti-kanji. In which way? Where kanji is a man with mask or a man with feminine interests who feels insecure about that. Naoto is a woman with masculine interests who feels insecure about that. Although she expresses that far differently. The thing with Naoto, based on what I picked up when I played the game and watched all her scenes, was that she thought she didn't live up to her standards of what a good detective was mm-hmm. because she was herself. Eventually she realizes that's ridiculous. She, she can be herself no matter what and still be a good detective, which actually kind of confuses me a bit because wasn't her mom also a detective? I forget. I think maybe both of her parents were. I mostly just yeah. know her grandfather was. Yeah, I... I think both her parents were. I don't don't know, maybe she thought her mom was just an accessory to her dad? I don't know. I don't remember that. I only remember stuff about her grandfather. I don't remember anything about her parents. They don't get a lot of play. They don't. Mostly I just know that she feels that as a woman trying to get into a male-dominated profession, she's at a major disadvantage and isn't taken seriously by people, and also being a child. And both of those come into play. The child one being that She has really childish interests and tries to downplay them because she needs to be a cool adult to succeed at her profession. Yeah, I think that's actually more prominent than the gender stuff with Naoto. Yeah, it definitely seems less prominent, but her entire dungeon being a cool secret underground base kind of supports the more childish notion, whereas the gender thing is just kind of really, really in your face. Yeah. Uh, but it's both. Yeah, they're both there. I really like her moveset, because she's just the intelligent, tactical detective, and what is her moveset? Big explosions and instant kills. Because she's really just a kid who likes cool mechs and stuff at heart. So she just wipes everything out and runs out of SP. Like, there... There's nothing subtle about her entire moveset. The only single target attack she has are instant kills. It's great. In Golden, they overhaul her moveset just a little bit. Like, oh, right. They, they, they do. Her, they give her another 
uh, single target skill. I think they just give her an Augie or something. Either they give her Augie or they give her all four of them. I can't remember. I don't think they do that, but it's also being... Golden does some busted nonsense. <laughs> oh, yeah. Are, are you saying Naoto is the new Avatar? That was a sound. No. No, she's not. <laughs> but Golden would do it. It's been years. I need to. Oh man, it's been like it's been like five years. Wow. I also really like Shadow Naoto. Because Shadow Naoto is the tactical detective genius. Uh, her entire AI is written around just weakness sniping you and getting extra turns and being really obnoxious until she's at low health, and then she throws a tan- a temper tantrum and starts throwing out random spells. Nice. So besides the party characters, I think the most important mm-hmm. characters in the story are the Dojima family. Ah, the good family. Who's actually a bad family. They work on it. They work on it. I remember the description that in Persona 5 with Sojiro and his kid, the plot twist is that he's actually a good dad. With Dojima and Nanako, the plot twist is he's actually a bad dad. He's a good bad dad. He cares. Yeah. He he, he cares, he's just... He doesn't know how to be a dad. Mm-hmm. And... I love all of those moments where you're playing and you see that, like, oh, Nanako is cooking. I'm, like, such and such years older than her and I don't know how to cook that well. Who is this child? I mean, to be fair, most of your party members don't know how to cook either. Right, Nanako <laughs> is the best cook in the game. Because her dad doesn't. I'll say that when I watched the anime, uh, the Dojimas were... I, I got just as much out of them in their dedicated episode as I did in the game. So they were at least handled yeah. well, I think. There, I, I remember them being handled well, yeah. I feel like I had a phase where I thought Nanako was a little overrated. I still think she probably is. Probably. Like, she really... Mm, She's mostly just precious younger sister child, but also they do some neat things, like how she asks you if heaven is real or not. Or no, she asks you what happens when you die. That's oop. Yeah, the idea is, like, she's she's precious child, oops, she's also sad child, which mm-hmm. I feel like you and I are kind of desensitized to that trope, but I don't know how common it no. really is. No. Yeah. But yeah, she she is she's a cute kid. I don't really remember a ton of depth. I mean, are we like totally free on spoilers for this game that comes came out in two thousand eight? Is that where we're at? I I feel like this is you know, this is one of those games where we kinda we kinda can't avoid it. Okay. But, like, when you find out she went into the TV, and it's like, okay, let's go into the TV world and see what her TV is, and it's like, heaven? Oops. That's an oof, I tell you what. Well, it's it's also interesting, because her TV dungeon isn't exclusively hers. Oh, right, it's also Namatame's. I forgot how that works. Because the, well, not only is Nanako thinking about her mom, but Namatama is thinking, wow, this TV world sure is a safe haven from the killers out there. Mm, yeah, that's not as much of an oof. 
It's still mainly thought of as Nanako's dungeon, though, by the mm-hmm. It's a pretty good one. A lot of people, I think, it's their favorite dungeon music, too. Oh, well, that's, like, objectively true. Uh, I like, I like Music the... is subjective. Accept that. I, I like the next one better. I'll allow it. Yeah, Nanako, like, I, I like the Dojimas. Like, they're... Yeah. They're not ones I can talk about super long. It's just, what's the Dojima line? Like, Daddy's coming home or whatever? Yeah. He's good. They're good. They stop being a bad family. Like, you get used to their presence, so it, it packs a punch mm-hmm. when, for the climax of the story, they're both out of commission and you just have the house to yourself. Right. I do really like that where you just... You get so used to coming in after your social link and hearing welcome home, big bro. And then that first day where you come in and she's gone, it feels so, so empty. I had kind of a unique response to coming home alone for the first time. Oh? Well, since I played Golden, that game has a lot of special features outside the main game menu. And one of them is uh, archived performances of uh, live renditions of different songs. And the menu theme is the same one as When You're Home Alone. And I first heard Hmm. it in the context of the music menu. And there's always this announcement, Song Battle 2013. Oh, no. So anytime I came home alone... And I heard that song I just immediately heard in my head. Song Metal 2013! Oh, no. Well, that's one way to feel lonely. <laughs> is, you, is you just going to do, like, the risky business scene where he just kind of slides in the doorway? Yes. Yes, he is. So, uh, Dojimas, yeah, good. Good talk. Yep, that's all we got on them. Uh, I guess there's him. The murderer? Yeah, who, everyone who The gas about... station attendant from the start of the game? Yeah, yeah, they're the murderer. Uh, of course. Uh, okay, no, it's, it's Adachi, we all know it. Ah, yeah. Uh, I like him, he's nice. It was. He's not nice, not nice at all, but he, he's cool. He was spoiled for me by the comic. Yeah, he was spoiled for me by... Everyone. I, I think that he's still an effective turnaround, though, because by the time I actually got to his part of the game, I was just like, like, wow, I'm actually kind of angry at this guy. Like, I didn't feel that when I watched all the footage beforehand and stuff. But when I actually got there, having spent all the hours and stuff, I was just like, wow, I really want to just kick his teeth in. He's a butt. And his entire motivation... For killing people and He's causing all of the bad things in the. Oh god, he is, but <laughs> also he's bored. He's bored and he's disillusioned with society. And he's an incel. And who are, he's an they, incel. they are disillusioned with society and bored. Man, I never made this connection. See, Adachi's a nice guy, but that news reporter wouldn't go. Oh out with god! Him. Oh god, he would say that. I, I think my reception of Adachi shows a bit of maturity on my part because 
when I was in high school, my dad wrote a play, and the twist was that one of the comic relief characters was not really the villain of the story, but they had a knowing hand in a lot of the conflicts behind mm-hmm. the scenes. And like they never really changed their personality or anything, but I was just really alienated by the idea of a comic relief character secretly being a bad guy. I didn't like it. I didn't mm-hmm. think it could be done. And then Adachi came along, and I had a much different reaction to that. Right. So I feel like, oh, okay, yeah, it can be done. And I, I think I've like started attempting it in some of my writing. <laughs> That'll be fun. What else is there to say about Adachi? I don't really have a whole lot of thoughts on him. Like, in a lot of respects, he is kind of there just to be a bad guy for everyone to track down. But, you know, he's bored. He's an incel. He's an entertaining villain. Very much a jerk and a fairly charismatic one who tells the kids that they shouldn't be doing this and should just go to bed. He really does an extreme 180 in personality. Mm-hmm. It's entertaining how he has the dopey persona. Eh, persona. And then just kind of, uh, nope, he's a creep. I think some of it might be a holdover from when they originally planned for other characters to be the killer. Probably. But uh, when you get to Adachi's social link in Golden, usually you get to see new facets of a character, but with Adachi, you just kind of learn that he's lazy and doesn't like interacting with people. That's fair. That's the kind of stuff I would expect out of a Persona antagonist. Yeah. And an incel. Yeah. He's just not really that great a person in any regard. And, like, he's bad in particular ways that the game wants to call out. Like, he's antisocial and asocial for my psychology nerds out there. He's a butt. I lost my train of thought, so I called him a butt. At the very least, he does come to respect the protagonist, especially if they have a social link together in Golden. Mm-hmm. He's like, he is a likable enough guy who can put on a decent persona to anyone. He is indeed very much a butt, but he's willing to shape up when he's obviously lost. Yeah, he's not a sore loser. Mm-hmm. Gosh, I remember... I think he's pretty entertaining in Ultimax. I think I watched his story for that. Where, like, he decides to be a changed man, but is still really grumbly about the whole thing, I think. Well, the idea is he kind of expands upon his worldview a bit, where he decides... It's kind of like Senator Armstrong in Metal Gear Rising, where Mm -hmm. he decides that might makes right. So, well, the the kids, they, they beat him up. They must be right, so he'll play mm-hmm. by the rules that they insist upon, so so he'll turn himself in, and if someone threatens to crack the investigation open again, he's like, no, I'm guilty, let's put a stop to this so I can be guilty. Oh, yeah. Uh, he, he has a code of honor somehow. Yeah. And I think 
Yeah, I think that's his mantra in Ultimax. Just like, okay, I'll play by the rules. I hate this, but I'll play by the rules. Yeah, something like that. He's probably one of the characters who transitioned to spinoffs a little more gracefully. Yeah, I, I liked him pretty well in that. And now we can talk about all the other Social Link characters. Or we cannot. We cannot! Yeah, let's, let's not do that. I kind of like the tutor kid. Nobody does the tutor kid, but eventually you and your party hold a birthday party for him. That's cute. I did all the social links except for Margaret and the fox. That's fair. Those two are... <laughs> but yeah, I remember. Like the, the social links, they're fine. They're fine. If this was three or five, I would have some I want to talk about. Four? Eh. Four is kind of in a transitional phase where they found a little more footing with the concept, but they didn't streamline it as well as they did in five. Yeah. I mean, I know three really wanted to sell your relations with people outside of the party. Four really wanted to focus on just the party members, and so four's party member social links are really good. Its other ones are... Hit and miss. They're okay. I don't think the other games do this, but they have links where the character is different based on which school activity you do. They're okay. Their strength and sun... Mm -hmm. uh, which ones did you go for when you played? Uh, I went with my slams and my jams. Okay, okay. I, I, I did I basketball and band. No, no, I get it, I get it. Okay. Uh, I also did basketball. I did uh, I did the drama club, though, because uh, I grew up around drama. Oh, uh, that's fair. That's not slang for a broken home or anything. <laughs> I mean, just... Yes, I, I know. You literally just said your dad wrote plays. Oh, yeah, I did say that. You sure did. I just woke up before um, this. <laughs> I was a band kid, so band was natural. But I distinctly had in mind the joke slams and jams. Fair enough. I played this back when Barkley Shut Up and Jam Gaiden was popular. So so we both did the, the basketball link then. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I looked into the soccer guys link and it it, it didn't capture me as much. No, I, I really don't remember either. <laughs> I think I've seen them, I don't remember them. Uh, I don't even remember what the drama one was about, though. I just know she doesn't like yeah, her dad. She, she hates her dad. I hate my dad! Who wants to help me with my self-esteem issues? I'm surprised we've been getting away without quoting that comic as much, much more than we could have been. It's like this one in the Star Fox episode. I'm surprised they didn't just devolve into just quoting over and over. Oh my god, you did do that, didn't you? Oh boy. So Persona 4 is good characters. A good game. Yeah, they, they have good characters. Like, it, it really is a character-based game, so you, if, mm -hmm. if you're gonna, like, look at it, you're, you're probably looking at it for the characters. You literally explore the insecurities of your characters in physical space. It's a character game. Uh, I, I don't know. How well do you think the game is aged... Ooh, it's aged not, like, miserably. It's definitely still playable. But, like, comparing the dungeons that are randomly generated here to the dungeons in 5, mm, yeah. these are kind of gross. Especially with how if you die, you lose a lot of progress at once. That's an oof. Oh, yeah, gameplay uh, in 5 is 
obviously much, better. A little worse in that five is baby game for babies. Four at least has teeth sometimes, but yeah, pretty easily would give it to five anyways. The school vacation scenes, where you just leave the plot for a good 30 minutes, those can get a little cringy here in this glorious year of 2020. I, I like that, you know, there's more to the game than the plot. It's actually use life, but mm -hmm. they, they were just full of anime hijinks. <laughs> yep, yep, they were. I I'll, I'll agree with you. It's definitely aged but it you know it's 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 like a it's like a foxy grandpa it's still got some things going for yeah. it yeah <laughs> it's been interesting seeing the persona 4 not technically a cult cult where it was pretty much everyone's favorite game for several years and now everyone's kind of like oh yeah it's my number four or something I remember that was, like, my number 20 game, and then someone gave me crap for liking Hyrule Warriors more. Oh, we would never do that. Doubt. We would never. Doubt. Doubt. <laughs> uh, we did that. I didn't do that. No, I mean... Well, maybe I did. I mean, I know who did, but I don't want to call them out. Okay. Naturally. Those were the days. I know that for as, as much as our friends love Persona 4, it also means they're hostile towards anything that dares to be similar to Persona 4. Oh, such as, for instance, Persona 5? Persona 5, Persona 4 Golden, those come into mind. Yeah, it's like the flaws stand out a lot in anything similar, but... I mean, 4, of course, has its own flaws. It's still my favorite of anything that does the persona -y thing, but, like, the other persona -y things are still good. I, I have, uh, like, evolved my opinion of Persona 4 Golden over time, where now I do see that a lot of the additions kind of miss the point. Yeah. Like, I, I'd still recommend it, but... I, I just really don't like Marie. <laughs> I don't really know Marie. I know she's a tsundere that writes poetry and is God or something. Okay, so uh -oh. I'll educate you on Marie. Is uh, well, uh -oh. First of all, you know what she looks like, don't you? Mm -hmm. uh, she looks like oh, she's yeah. designed to just, like, first of all, like, waifu bait. Mm -hmm. Kind of hot. And then... Like, they kind of shoehorn her into a couple early scenes, just to kind of establish her presence hmm. in the remake. Like, in a Golden, on the first day in town, you actually get to control you a little earlier than you normally would, probably so you can save your game and stuff. And you get to see a couple Easter eggs, you get to see, like, the, the liquor store siblings actually talking to each other for once. Oh. And you also get to see... Like, Marie, like, very early on, before you even meet Yosuke or anything. Mm -hmm. So, like, they really want you to know she exists. And then her arc is just, hey, I'm gonna hang out, and hey, I'm friends with all your friends now. Now now I'm part of the gang. And she gets edgy, over-the-top poetry, 
and she gets her own dungeon, and it's really sad, you guys. And and she mm-hmm. she she gets a boss fight with like a sad remix of the boss theme. It's really sad, you guys. And uh, sh- she doesn't want to be part of Izanami, but sh- she kind of has to be. It's really sad, you guys. And um. they eventually work it out. And then she 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 mostly stays quiet for most of the final dungeon. After that, she's like the new member of the gang, except not really. Mm-hmm. Like she doesn't join the party or anything, but yeah, I knew that. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't like her. Okay, doesn't sound like I do either. No, I think a lot of people are very suspicious about Kasumi and Persona Five Royal for the same reasons. Mm-hmm. Right. Persona Four, like I said, like almost everything about that game. Like, I might as well have played it going into it, because, like, I saw all the scenes and stuff. Like, Mm -hmm. the only things I was really missing were golden content that was new, and the bit where Nanako gets kidnapped. Like, I knew Mm -hmm. that happened, I just didn't know how it all played out. So you only saw the I Am Daisy comic, or did you see something else? No, no, I watched actual footage of the game. Oh, okay, that'll do I Am Daisy, like, only stopped around the time Teddy got his body. Right. I was gonna say that. Would you ever play Persona 4 again? Oh, gosh. I mean, I kinda did when I had a roommate play it. I don't have to play the game to enjoy it. But, mm, I don't know at this point. Because it's just gonna age more and more. And I kind of have all of my thoughts on it pretty well put together by now. I don't need to see them put together again. Kind of want to preserve the memories as they are. Sort of. I don't really mind if my memories get tampered with, because all things considered, they're like, what, two years old? But I don't want to spend 80 hours for something that won't accomplish anything. <laughs> it's a big game. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a problem with growing up. Got other games to play. Kidding me? Anything else about Persona 4? I feel like there's obviously more. Not but particularly. Just... I mean, this is really all of my opinions on it. There's more to talk about, probably, but nothing I feel that strongly about. Any music that you remember besides Let's see. Besides the Heaven Dungeon? Oh, the Heaven Dungeon. There's the boss theme, I'll face myself, but there's also the bittersweet remix it gets after bosses yeah which is also called i'll face myself i really like that one the remix of it it's very sweet yeah. persona 5 kind of does the same thing where they have a somber version of the boss theme yeah but it sucks you take that back <laughs> it doesn't suck i didn't like it nearly as much though well it's it's going for very different thing because like this, it this one's kind of like I, a happier it's like hey it's okay you can be yourself now the other one is like look at what you did yeah persona 4 has the climactic clash of facing yourself and then just this bittersweet acceptance of who you really are and moving forward and that is what persona 4 is all about and also there's the j-pop i like the j-pop the uh, regular fight theme, at least in the original version. Oh, of, of the course. Game. 
Like, that's literally the song that got me into Persona. Good. Because, like, I heard it in an unrelated video, and I, I looked it up, and I was like, oh, Persona 4, isn't that the game that I Am Daisy did a thing for? And it's in Smash Bros. Yes, it is. I, I feel like Atlas has kind of tried to forget about this song, though. Like other yeah, they 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 got rid of it for Golden, didn't they? Uh, they didn't get rid of it, but now it only plays when you have the advantage in like if you sneak attack an enemy. Okay, that's or during weird, a mid boss. That's, that's weird. Because like with other than Smash Brothers, they keep trying to sell the other song "Time to Make History" as the Persona Four music. That one is also okay, but no. It's, I don't have the connection to it as much. Right. Um, the theme for Adachi's Dungeon is good. Yeah. Uh, Long Way, I believe it's called. Yeah. Um, I like how the final boss theme is very downtrodden and heavy until it just puts in the little jingle for me to add to the truth. That's very heartwarming. The uh, That's got to be everyone's favorite part of the song. Naturally. I mean, it's a horrible song outside of context. It is very boring, but by God, that ten seconds. Some songs don't quite work out of context. Unrelated, but like like Shovel Knight. I can listen to the music as I'm playing the game, but then eventually by itself, I can, I can only listen to certain tracks, because otherwise it's just a bunch of loud 8-bit. Boop, beep. I, I did. I did a song. I did a video game music show on radio in college, and mm-hmm. I almost did a Shovel Knight themed episode. But then I realized I can't listen to all this. Like I need. <laughs> I need the context of the game. Anything else? Nope. I think I've said my piece pretty well. Persona Four is a good game. It is a heartwarming story about accepting the things that you don't want to. And moving forward and going to be a better human being with your buddies. Is good. Uh, any plugs you'd like to make? Play Wonder Song? You would. (laughs) (laughs) That's it for the BitCast this week. Uh, we have gone for like an hour and a half, but I don't, I don't know, Mm -hmm. I don't know if we can cleanly cut this one into pieces or not. Nope. All part of the plan. Uh, I, I knew what I was getting into. Mm-hmm. So, uh, if you want to keep following the BitCast, it's on Twitter as usual. And it's just the BitCast. Like, same like logo and title as here on Podcast One's website. Uh, just follow me there and you'll be up to date to new episodes. Uh, thanks for listening. I'll see you on the next one. Listen to BitCast anytime on podcast1.com and on the Podcast One app.